Hey, one fans, Andy here. We're going to Cisco Live, and we can't wait to see you there. If we see you wearing an A1 or Cables to Cloud shirt at Cisco Live, we'll enter you in our giveaway that includes a bunch of cool prizes like an A1 branded Yeti cup and an OCG of your choice from our friends at Cisco Press. Don't have a shirt? No problem. Head to the link in our bio and grab yours today. See you soon. This is the Art of Network Engineering podcast. In this podcast, we'll explore tools, technologies, and talented people. We aim to bring you information to expand your skill sets and toolbox and share the stories of fellow network engineers. We've all seen the stories, heard the tales for years now. Local networks have been flooding with packets demanding internet access. Depletion of IPv4 addresses is continuing rapidly. Of course, IPv6 is the ultimate answer, but adoption is slow. We live in the age of the Internet of Things, and there are oh so many. I'm pretty sure you can even connect your toilet directly to the internet now. I mean, seriously? What the heck? Why would you do that? Luckily, all these years, there has been a service working tirelessly to keep the lights on. Bridging that gap until IPv6 saves us all. And that gap bridger is me. I am that man. And this is the art of network engineering. That man. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Alright, thank you, Natman. I am AJ Murray at no blinky blinky. Natman is Timbertino at Timbertino. Natman, how you doing? Not too shabby. Uh, Natman is an extremely low-budget film, <laughs> <laughs> but it is unrated, so anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Can, can we expect multiple sequels of Natman like we have other popular <laughs> oh, movies I hope that not. might rhyme with that? I don't know. I, 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 th- I, think, I think we need more. I don't want to do that again. Natman. <laughs> or at least other characters that we might find. Natman. Natman versus Ant-Man or something? Yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> dyslexic battle from hell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dan, Dan made it home from Vermont. Dan, how I you did. doing? I, well, I'm I'm a little bit sadder, but uh, I, I, I made I it home safely, so that's all that matters, I guess. I know. My wife had to keep checking with me. She's like, oh, you're sad, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I miss my friend. <laughs> I miss my buddy. We had so much fun. We did. We got really drunk, too. <laughs> no, we didn't. <laughs> no, no we, we really didn't. We had a lot to drink. We didn't get really We did. Drunk. Yes, we did. Lot, lots of beer yeah. was uh, was consumed. <laughs> Andy, how are you? I'm good, AJ. Not too much to report. I had some ice cream tonight. Hey, that's a good night. <laughs> I'm mad at you, by the way. Me? Yeah. Cause About time. I... <laughs> <laughs> I had gone a fairly decent amount of time without without hitting the ice cream bucket, and you started about talking it. about it a few weeks ago. You're welcome. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> you can afford it. You look like way all of 90 pounds soaking wet, so have some ice cream, too. <laughs> you got it. Just for you, Andy. Thanks, brother. All right, guys. Uh, we do have a guest this evening, but before we introduce our guest, we'll get through our normal playlist here. So... Uh, Andy, can I get a goat scream for the winning? <laughs> Grab your goat. 
What? <laughs> oh, 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 Your no, batteries no. are done. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the goat no. needs a battery. There we go. Hey, look. There it is. <laughs> Was that yours or mine? <laughs> I don't know. It sounded like it was If you hysteria. have to ask, Andy. If you have to ask. <laughs> Wait a minute. My goat's failing. Hold on. <laughs> That's a failure plaque oh, one no. right there. Time for battery. We, we wore it out. We oh, wore it out. All the wins. <laughs> Winning this week is Bill Murray. He passed his VCP 7.0. Congratulations, Bill. Uh, Eric job. Smith passed the Security Plus exam. Okay. Ooh, this cool. is my favorite win this week. The underscore EOC accepted a position as a network deployment engineer at Red River. Oh, Congratulations. Oh, nice. Did he know who works there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he knows who works there. Thank you, Tim. Okay. You're welcome. Future coworker, the underscore EOC. We need to get him on, by the way. I know a little bit about him, and he's got a great story. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Yep. So he started, or when does he start? Uh, I believe he starts mid-August. Mid-August. He, okay. he accepted okay. the position and is working through that process, so we'll expect to see him here mid-August. Uh, Mick Manny, Mick Man Me, if I can pronounce that right. <laughs> um, Nicholas passed his DevNet associate and the ECMS1. You guys, are you familiar with the ECMS? Mm-mm. No. no which that is that Engineering one? Cisco Meraki Solutions. Oh, okay. So Did they change a, it? It's a two-parter. There's part one and part two. And he's completed part one and moving on to part two. But more importantly, they passed the DevNet Associate. That's that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. that's nice. Yeah, we talked through that in the uh, happy hour last week. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah. <clears throat> is that the... I'm not even going to try to pronounce it or, or say the, the alphabet there, but is that the CMNA like 2.0? Sure. So the the CMNA is a partner related part. I, oh, I think it's like okay. partner only, like partner yeah. and Cisco employee only kind of thing. And then the ECMS <clears throat> is the customer side. So um, I, I forget what it used to be called. Um, there was like a Cisco. There's the CMNA, which is the partner side, and then there was the CMNO, which is the Cisco Meraki Network Operator. Okay, yeah. gotcha. CMNA um, is just a course you attend for a day. There's yeah, no I gotcha. Like right, right. Gotcha. Yep. Um, Mike T got another Security Plus win, so congratulations, Mike T. Uh, DJ Ninja NZ, which I can only imagine stands for New Zealand. Uh, accepted their first network-focused role at an MSP, of course, in New Zealand. So congratulations, DJ Ninja. Awesome. Hard Reset, the screen name, Hard Reset, got their first IT job offer. So congratulations, Hard Reset. Yeah, nice. Got some new Patreons. The word's getting out about the Patreon. Uh, So welcome aboard, Josh, Jordan, Manny. And I got to say their last names because they're both got the same... First name and the same last initial. So welcome Bill Murray and Bill Maskey, uh, Ethan and Javier, who joined moments ago, just before we started recording. So I had to had to slide that in there. So uh, <laughs> nice. welcome, uh, awesome. welcome, thank you uh, all, Patreons. Yes, thank, thank you. Very much appreciate that. We really appreciate your support, Andy. Can I get another goat scream? I'll try. <laughs> There we go. Hey. You got him warmed up. <laughs> now you <laughs> won't, won't now stop. Now won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh Be quiet, your goat. Yeah. Oh. Once you get my goat started, AJ. <laughs> oh, boy. What kind of podcast is this? <laughs> I don't know. Am I editing this one? Idea. This is going to be a yeah. fun one. I'm going to slice and dice this one. 
Yep. <clears throat> okay. Uh, very excited for our guest this evening. Uh, they are a Cisco Press author and CCIE seventy four seventy two. Everybody, please welcome Roddy to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, Roddy. Really appreciate <laughs> you taking the time to be with us this evening. Appreciate it. Thank you. So, Roddy, what do you do? <laughs> it's in my bio, AJ. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, and uh, that's the show. Uh, yeah. I'm a uh, technical solutions architect at Cisco Systems. Been there for uh, 13 years. 13. Wow. That's All right. Sexy. Yeah. Yeah. So what what does the day to day look like of a, of a TSA? So I'm at the the worldwide level, focused on DNA Center, software defined access, ICE. So uh, TSA is generally, TSA is an overlay to the SE community generally, right? So an SE would have a direct customer relationship, a TSA or technical solutions architect would be brought in for, as an SME for a focus, either a enterprise networks focus or a WAN focus or data center focus. And then that's that's usually kind of at the area level. And then at the worldwide level, we're kind of hyper-focused on technology. So my focus is DNA center and software-defined access. So I haven't had to really think too much about WAN beyond connecting it to SDA or DNA center or data center. I haven't had to do much of that. It's most, most of the last three years has been spent just doing DNA center and software-defined access. So if an SE is working <clears throat> with a potential client and then they need like an SD access guru... Yep. They'll bring me and in. They'll bring me in to do a POC or to do a demo or to uh, help them in their lab or to answer you know, arch- to have architecture discussions, that kind of stuff. So it's pretty. Are, are you the POC guy? Like you'll 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 build that stuff. I will if it's on site. I'll help yeah. uh, the SE okay. build it on site uh, or on the customer site rather. We don't have POC facilities at Cisco, but or I don't. Um, and then you know we'll do demos, anything kind of pre-sales. Are uh, you know we kind of le- usually leave. Once the architecture and migration discussion is done, I move on because we're kind of a small group within Cisco, so we don't scale that well. Yeah. So did you get in on the ground floor of SD Access? I did. I was, uh, I was a TSA, an enterprise networks TSA uh, in the federal space at Cisco when DNA Center and SD Access came out. So my focus was included that kind of stuff. So as soon as SDA started, you know, with the pre-release stuff and the demos and giving those, that's when I started learning it. So yeah, I've been around since day one. So okay. spe- awesome. <clears throat> speaking of you being like a TSA mm-hmm. uh, and you're talking about SD access, what, what else have you done? So uh, I've been doing networking for kind of 30 years. Okay. Believe it or not. So before, uh, you know, before being a TSA, I was an SE, so I covered everything. For that, I was uh, uh, I was in the federal space as a network engineer, uh, network design engineer at, uh, at a federal entity for a few years. Did, <clears throat> again, mostly LAN and WAN stuff. Um, SD-WAN before it was called SD-WAN. Um, before that, I was with Sprint. Uh, did a lot of MPLS, a lot of WAN stuff at Sprint as well, Cisco stuff. Uh, and then, so now networking goes back almost 30 years, but I also did Microsoft stuff and NetWare stuff at the same time as Solaris stuff. I was Solaris certified way, way back then as well. Um, and then before I, I did everything I could, how far are we going back then? <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> yeah. As far, as far as origin stories are concerned, my, I did everything I could to avoid getting into IT. I was, <laughs> I, I was really, I got started and I think I got my first computer in 84 
And uh, so I got started really early. I was really good at it. Everybody called. I was the kid that would help them fix their printer or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I never wanted to do it as a living. I just, I just, I did everything I could to avoid it. So I went. I, I majored in music in college. Uh, nice. I, I drove taxi for a couple of years. I, Wait, what instrument? I played drums. You have to pick an instrument. Yeah, I, drums, I, drums, piano. Drums was my main one, and then I played piano. And the, there's a booth back there, which is a, I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, do, you have, do you have a kid at home? I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what do you have? I have a Gretsch Maple that I rarely ever play. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> Is that going to be the next episode? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to have a jam you session. You don't meet too many drummers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I started playing probably around the same time I got a computer, maybe 12 or 13 years old. So um, so I did everything. You wanted to go I, into music. What's that? You wanted to go into music. I did. I did. Well, I, I didn't want to go into IT. And of course, I was in bands in the 80s and high school and, and uh, loved doing that kind of stuff and thought. Did you have big hair? I, I, I had big Robert Smith, the cure hair. Yes, I did. Nice. <laughs> I'm just yes, picturing that right now. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I still got a good head of hair, but it was pretty big. And, uh, you know, moose was the thing back then. So I oh, used yeah, a lot yeah, of moose yeah. and finished it with hairspray. And my mom would get mad because I would use all our hairspray. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I tried, I tried everything. Got into music. Uh, drove taxi for a couple of years, sold cars, sold insurance and mutual funds, just did all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, wow. Then, you, you did have a, you had a diverse background there. I did. Yeah. And, uh, got married fairly young and, and had a kid and realized I actually needed to make some money and pay, you know, pay for things. So uh, here we go. I'll start doing consulting. So I started doing consulting, IT consulting officially in 92, 93. Okay. Based and, on what skills? Uh, so back then it was just PC. So I was just learning IPX and SPX back then. And then uh, eventually I, um, NT351, NT4, and then into Cisco. Were, were you self-taught because you didn't go to school? I was self-taught. Right? No, I okay. was completely self-taught. You had a knack. You taught yourself. I did, yeah. I had the MS-DOS 3.2 manual, and I just read manuals. I re- like literally would read vendor manuals. That's all we had because we didn't have the... Yeah, I think I was... the first uh, IT book I bought was in 96. It was the Unix System Administrator's Handbook. So you could get an interview and a job based on like, yeah, I read the manual and I know how to answer your questions. Yeah. Like, is that how it used to yeah, work? Yeah, I would okay. just break stuff. I, I would just, yeah. you know, I, would just, I, <laughs> I took apart the computer that my parents spent so much money on and I broke it and then figured out how to fix it. And that's really kind of how, how it came to be. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I, I think back, you know, back in the 90s and whatnot, like, you know, the Internet was just booming at that time. Right. And so you I'm not. No, late late nineties it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, what I'm getting at is that's impressive that you were able to, you know, teach yourself this because you know nowadays, I mean, we've got a plethora of things to learn from. We have, you know, online video courses. You can you can go to uh, online, uh, you know, regular college courses now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's just insane. Like we've got all these manuals, we've got all these, uh, you know, official cert guides, all that stuff, and you guys didn't have all that back in the day. And, no. and so that's very impressive. I, I, I like hearing that. Yet I still complain, the- Dan. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, had, Wait. we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have... Uh, right, Did yeah. you go to the library and use the Dewey Decimal System? I absolutely <laughs> use the Dewey Decimal System. Yes. Andy, Andy and I, man. Andy. Yeah. <laughs> now, so, Andy, for so, our so, listeners that don't know what that is, can you please? <laughs> we'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> so, how, don't do that. How do you transition from I'm fixing the PCs to to networking? So, how does that happen? I uh, I started working at a computer store in '95. Uh, 
I think, 94, right before Windows 95 came out. And I was building PCs and fixing and assembling PCs. And then it was a service called, this company wants to buy five PCs. We need to figure out how to connect them together. And back then it was BNC connectors and, and um, IPX. So I learned NetWare on my own to do that. And then NT came out and they, they, I put IP and IPX on the same network with those cards. And uh, just kind of taught myself and figured it out at the shop. And then kind of, I liked the networking piece. I, I, I opened a, <clears throat> I, I helped start one of the first commercial ISPs in Canada. Okay. Um, and through that, I learned Unix and IP. I think I opened a TAC case in like 93, 92, 93. And the, the TAC engineer taught me subnetting. Wow. That, that's <laughs> how I learned subnetting was the TAC engineer taught me how to subnet. And then I, the, that was it. So I'm cool. not sure they do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they probably don't. I, I looked him up the other day because I can look him up in the directory. He's long gone. But I, I found the email, man. He, he, you know, here's, here's what a network mask is. And it, it's, everything was still classable back then. And here's why you can't use this, class, this mask with this IP address. And, is that a P1 or a P2? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, I, it's, I still remember the case, man. It was a, we're connecting a, a, T1, a frame relay T1 to a... a 2500 router to get wow, this wow. isp up and running in in canada that's pretty yeah. cool like did you print yeah. that email out because i'd like print that out and like you know frame <laughs> I it. Should. yeah no I, I do have i do have the email somewhere i i, I looked it up a couple months ago because i wanted to look up this guy just to thank him right because yeah. that was it like right. I, I i did a lot of it stuff and i was good at computers and fixing computers and i was the guy that you would call but actual ip networking and networking in general was really because of this guy i mean i was doing unix stuff at the isp and yeah. Did you find networking as easy as you found working with hardware? I did. I did. I, I was, a, they say math, music, folks that are good at music are also good at math. So I was always a good math guy. And so this, that, yeah. that was, that was the easy part for me. And it was fun. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I right. just found it enjoyable to do. So I kept going. Okay. So, so, so when did you go for your first Cisco cert? Uh, that would have been 2000. So mm-hmm. I, I got, um, I moved to, from Canada to the U.S. I had had my MCSE and I had my network certifications. Got to the U.S., got my CCNA in uh, late 99, early 2000. Got now, were you, st- were you still uh, doing the consulting gig during all this? Yeah, I was with okay. a company called Paranet. Uh, Andy might remember them. They were they were bought by Sprint, but they were one of the big consulting firms in the, in I the late I apologize. That was before my time round. You did say decade. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'm just, yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. And you, you could, you, you could tell me to pay on sand if it's too personal, but why did you move from Canada to the States? Was it for job opportunities uh, or personal reasons? Job, mostly job opportunities. I was tired at the, uh, of the cold. I was tired of the snow. I was oh, okay. tired of yeah. just, you know, well, it's yeah. now it's I the opposite. Understand. Now I'm tired of the heat. And I, just, <laughs> right. I, I, I would give anything if it would snow right now. Cause I could get a good <laughs> night's sleep. So, uh, so back then, you know, it was, it was 98. The economy was booming down here, especially in, in Dallas and the cost of living was really low and they were, companies were throwing money left, right, and center at you. They were flying you wherever for your interview, just for an interview, they would fly you just to do, a, mm. you know, just to do IT. And they paid for the move and all that kind of stuff. So I just decided to go for it. And, you know, it's just a good change, different different cultures, different food down here. Um, nice. So I I was mainly with Paranet, I was doing uh, Cisco stuff, Solaris stuff, and Microsoft stuff. And they wanted, they really encouraged certifications back then. It was, it Sprint bought them. And uh, so I got my CCNA, I think, in 90, I think it was early 2000. And then 
within six weeks, I went CCNA, CCDA, CCNP, CCDP. So I did an exam a week for like oh, wow. seven or eight weeks. Got <laughs> all three of those knocked out. Yeah, it was. Oh my god! Just like I, I don't know how I do that. it. My fifth. Wait a minute. What what exams? CCNA, CCDA, CCNP, CCDP in five weeks. Getting grief. Did you did exactly. you have a wife at that point or I did. I had a wife and a uh, No, no, a life. Oh, a life. <laughs> oh, the wife. No. The wife, yeah, no. 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 I mean, I, it's I the was, same thing, Daniel. <laughs> I, I, I would I would work, I would come home and read the book, whatever the book was for that exam. Yeah. And I would just go and do the exam. I I, were, I don't know how they, I did it, to be honest. Were they 800 page books at the yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, they were the big thick wow, Cisco guides, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I honestly I mean I, I'm almost 50 right now. And I don't know how I was able to do that back then. How yeah. so I can't read a, read a page right now without falling asleep. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so obviously, you know, then the kind of next step in the progression was the CCIE and, and back then sprint, uh, would pay for the lab. Okay. Um, oh, wow. but you had nice. to use your own time to study. So I, I went, so my, uh, so I was like, I think I was seven exams in for all those Cisco exams. And my eighth exam was the CCI written. So did you fail any of those seven? Not one. I've, I've, I have never failed a Cisco exam in my life. Golly. It's hard to like Whoa. you, Roddy. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it's, don't, <laughs> I, I think it's honestly, I think I'm just stubborn because <laughs> I, I think my, my mindset is if I fail this, I'm not going to do it again. So. I'll just go, you. which is really a bad attitude, especially for your listeners. <laughs> Don't use that attitude. <laughs> it's okay. I I have an eidetic memory, so I'm able to retain stuff really easily. So, um, what does eidetic mean? It's like a photographic memory, but it's more associative wow. than. How, how, how do we get one of those? You know, it's you, it's a curse. It's a curse. Trust me, it's a curse. Because I can still tell AJ how how bad I felt when he. Tried to get me to do the podcast a few months ago and then completely forgot about me because I still remember those feelings because I have an identity. <laughs> oh, so, so it, it's a curse. It's, it's, it's a blessing like, and a curse. Wow, but, wow. Um, do you remember everything that's ever happened to you? I can recall pretty much everything. Yeah. And it's, it, I might need a reminder here and there, but as hey. soon as I get the reminder, it just pops into my head. What's her wow. face from Taxi? Remember that woman? I forget her name, the pretty woman from Taxi. What, the actress? Eileen? I think or, she has uh, a, whatever. Uh, she remembers everything that's ever oh, happened yeah. to her. She's been on all these shows and like you can ask her anything. She yeah. knows the day, the date the weather like that's yeah it sounds awful yeah yeah it's good for exams though it's it's good for exams and it's good it's good for work it really is good for work because i can have a conversation with the customer and six months later they call me and say remember this and i'll be like oh yeah that's right and then i could talk to you don't have to take notes probably i I can't take notes i'm if i take notes i actually forget (laughs) i I actually you're not paying attention right because i'm not paying attention it's not registering yeah my my, the part of my brain that remembers is focused on figuring out how to use a pen so yeah, uh, i don't so Roddy's I don't never gonna forget it. about nat man yeah, yeah I, won't, I, won't, <laughs> that stuck. I won't i won't forget about nat man or all the jokes wow. he made about andy before he joined I won't yeah yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm used to it i'm a beaten man Roddy. so um so ccie you were studying on your own sprint was gonna pay sprint for Sprint was gonna pay for it so i went and did the written pass that the first time and uh so, so what was the written like because if you're to compare that to today because terrible <laughs> today if you take the ccnp you're also taking the ccie written oh right. really so, yeah yeah I didn't so, even know so that. then okay you know there was probably multiple exams to do the ccnp and then you still <clears throat> yeah. had to do the ccie written and then you still yeah. had to do the ccie lab 
Correct. Yeah. So the the CCNA was the one exam, DA was one exam, NP was four more, and then the DP was one in addition to CCNA. Yeah. Uh, and as you got higher, the, 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 the certs were newer, right? CCNA had been around for a few years by then. So mm-hmm. the exams were pretty good and pretty solid. But as you got further into up the chain of certifications, those exams got a lot sloppier because mm-hmm. not as many people were doing them or proofing them or giving oh, feedback sure. on them. Okay. So yeah. by the time you got to the IE, so my number is 74, 72. So there were 6,000 by then, right? Um, right. And, and for anybody listening, that's because number one was like 1,024, not one. Right. Yeah. Yep. Right. Okay. Yep. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, uh, so by the time I got to that exam, it was a hundred question, multiple choice, just like all the rest, but it was very rough, very sloppy. I mean, by, by then I was used to it cause I had done the, the DP was pretty rough as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, got the, got the CCI written out of the way. And I, I kind of made a, and, and for those that are going to go for the CCIE, I know it's different now than it was when I did it back then, but I kind of, I wouldn't let myself lab use lab equipment until I passed the written exam. Hmm. Because the written exams, you know, the, the NP, the DP were all theory. You were you could learn on equipment and you can type router OSPF 16 and configure an OSPF network, but that's not going to help you in a multiple choice question. It's just sure. it's just not. You need to know the timers. You need to know the defaults. You need to know this command versus this command as written, but not as on a router. But especially, and I think what I've seen happen with people I've mentored in the past is They'll learn how to do it on the device and think they're going to ace the exam, but the exam is wrong because they, the, you know, the, the, the old the old saying is that there's the right answer, the wrong answer, and then the Cisco answer. So the the Cisco answer on the exam is doesn't necessarily have to be the one that matches what you did on your router or your switch. It's right. the one that you read in the book. The books are written for a reason. The blueprints are written for a reason. So I kind of banned myself from touching network gear unwork related until I got the CCIE written out of the way. And then once that was out of the way, I went on eBay and bought one router at a time and built my own lab at home and uh, spent six months, used all my vacation time in that six months and passed the exam on uh, May 23rd, 2001. Wow. On your first shot. My first shot. It was a two day exam. Two so days. two day and it had wow. IP, IPX, Apple talk, NetBuoy, uh, DLSW, ATM mm. lane. It had all the non IP protocols. One day was IP. The other day was the non IP protocols. So, uh, it was a two day exam. You, you, you didn't find out if you made it to the second day until the next morning. Come so on. you do your first day. Oh, it's stressful. That's brutal. Am I allowed to cuss on this podcast? <laughs> I cuss a lot. It's a podcast. So I, uh, I went, you know, I did the first day and you sit down, you do the exam and it's, you know, you're stressed. Everybody's talking about CCA is so difficult. You're never going to pass the first time. And, you know, there's me like, I'm not going to do this again if I don't pass. So I'm just going to pass. So um, I did, did, got through the first day, stressed out. And, and, you know, you go back to the hotel. I did it in San Jose. Uh, I woke up at uh, three in the morning and in my head was shit. I forgot to send communities. Like that was just, that was like, that was, and for those listening, it's a, the send communities is the BGP command. You need to actually pass the communities on to, to the neighbors. So I, I woke up remembering that I forgot to type send communities because I had practiced every scenario to, leading up to the exam and I knew what to type. And so you get into the lab the next day, to the lab room the next day. And if there's a booklet on your desk, you sit and you start day two. And if there's not, you wait for the proctor to call you up so they can review what goes wrong. Because everything was done in person back then, right? And, and the, the, the lab equipment, you had a rack beside your your, um, your table. 
and you had to cable it. Cabling uh, gave you points the way you cabled your equipment because they would, you know, for troubleshooting, they would bend the pins. So you had to straighten the pins out to figure things out. Oh, wow. Uh, so you got points for the way you cabled your network. You got points for a network diagram. You had a big sheet of construction paper on your desk that you had to color in with pencils to do your um, routing protocols and your AS numbers and where you're redistributing, mark where your redistribution points were. Was, it was, was a grind. Was that the first version of uh, Visio right there? Yeah, that was the uh, Cradle that was 64 a, pack. Is that what they got cave, you? Caveman Vizio, man. Yeah. They give you five, five, five pencil crayons and a sheet of construction paper. Nice. So, like and pardon, uh, pardon my ignorance here, Roddy, but was were there concentrations for the CCIE back then, or was it just route switch? That there was one IE. There were three. There was the CCIE Blue, which was based on the mainframe DLSW IBM hmm. stuff. Okay, right. You're saying trigger words uh, for me right now. <laughs> Which one? IBM or uh, DLSW? DLSW? Yeah, I that was I was, but when I was working in federal, DLSW was my thing. So, okay. um, I know who to contact. CCIE now. Blue. There was CCIE. Um, I think there was a security one. No, there wasn't a security one. There was a WAN uh, SP one. So CCIE SP, CCIE Blue, and CCIE Route Switch. I think those were the three. And okay. then later came the Voice and the Security. Gotcha. Yeah, and the SP one was all MPLS, and uh, it was all Stratacom ATM stuff. And did you say that was in uh, 2001, right? 2001, I got my CC. I okay. just hit my 20-year anniversary just a couple of months ago. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> did you get your plaque and all that stuff? Uh, yeah. Long story, no, not yet. I'm still working on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have my, my original plaque. I have my 10-year plaque, but they haven't sent me my 20-year plaque. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So before the IE, you mentioned doing uh, the... CCNP or the uh, CCDP, did you just want to get into design or was no. it just something to do? It was just something to do. Uh, you, you, back then, you only needed the CCNA to be able to write the CCIE written. Okay. But it, it had been told, I talked to a couple of CCIEs that were at Sprint at the time, and they said, get, get all of the certifications on your way up, even if you think you're not going to use it or it's not something you want to do. It's DP was one extra exam on top of the NP or two extra exams because I had yeah, to the DA, just a right? week, right? Just get I mean, yeah, well, no yeah. big deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but um, because back then For it was me, just, yes, it, you are. Yeah, I, it was just product knowledge, right? It was it was you know 1600 router. What what model of this router has this kind of interface? It was that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, at the time, though, I was in pre-sales with Sprint Paranet. They were called back then, and so that that stuff helped. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it did help me get into, I didn't really have a, an idea of what exactly I wanted to do in networking. We just did, you know, I was a consulting engineer back then. So that's what we did. I sold network stuff and I implemented network stuff and kind of everything counted. Right. Gotcha. So yeah. you're saying while you were at Sprint, you were actually consulting doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. So- yeah. I was a cons- I think I can't remember my exact title, but yeah, my title at Sprint, I was a consultant, a network consultant. Network okay. engineering consulting. Like, yeah, I didn't actually work for Sprint Proper running their network. I was a pre-sales consultant. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like because we're we're in two thousand one right now, right? That that's where we're at and on this timeline. Uh, yeah. And so you you were in consulting from ninety two ninety three ish all the way mm-hmm. up to two thousand one. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a interesting. I don't think we've heard that yet. Uh, someone starting their first gig as consulting. So. So is that the same as a contractor, a consultant? Uh, yeah, in a way. I wasn't, we didn't, 
we were in a body shop, so it wasn't like you would get somebody in for six months just to be a network engineer. It was more yeah. pre-sales stuff. I did a lot of pre-sales during that, that time. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, which, you know, it's good and bad, I guess. I mean, that's what I'm doing again now. So it kind of came, came around for, for so full circle. Yeah. Yeah. So like SE is a pre-sales position or not it is. really? SE is, is a pre-sales. At Cisco, SE is a pre-sales position. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you kind of went from... Did you go from consulting to SE, like like formally? Uh, no. So I went from consulting, um, and I got onto a project at a federal entity, and I got home from the project, and the guy guy there, he just actually recently passed away. He called me up and said, "Hey, we really like the work you did here. Do you want to come be our lead network design engineer?" Oh, okay. So that was it. So I went there. Uh, I was there for six years, and then uh, so I was. You were CCIE by then. Right? I was CCIE by then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, so I, so yeah, the CCA story ended. So I passed, 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 got it, got the number and went back to doing whatever I was doing and, uh, uh, ended up as a network design engineer or network. Yeah. Network design engineer, I think was my formal title for this federal entity for six years. Did the CCIE change your life? Did you get better jobs, more money? Yeah. Back then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Back then. Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, Sprint had the deal of if, if I passed, they would pay for everything. And then if I passed, I would get this bonus or this pay increase uh yeah. at the time when <clears throat> jobs would, when consulting um gigs would come up customers were asking for ccies so it opened up a lot of consulting jobs within sprint or on behalf of sprint uh while i was there right so there were you know ccie needed for to do this that i qualified for that once i got my cci yeah it was almost immediate it was like the day after i got back i started getting Hey, do you want to go do this gig somewhere else? Or do you want to go do this gig? So yeah, it absolutely yeah. helped. Yeah. It was worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And you did it in less than a year, right? I did it in six months. Yeah. <laughs> so why do you only have one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. I only like IP. I don't like IPv6. Yeah, so yeah. That is- <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get up on V6. Let's do it. Come on. No, I you know, I I, I was never a security guy. I was never a real voice voice focus first i probably could have done the service provider one because i did do a lot of mpls while i was at sprint yeah and the blue one may have been handy but the blue one had retired i think by about 2004 2005 yeah so so how long were you there at sprint then because we we were at 2001 that's when you passed your ie uh so how long were you 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 still at, at sprint for then i was at sprint for three years from 90 well three to bit 98 to 2001 Okay, so after you get your IE, or, then or, you... so, so, yeah, ninety eight to two thousand two. Sorry, two thousand two. Got your okay. IE and so, Got my IE, stayed my mandatory one. Well, so <laughs> funny story. So <laughs> the other agreement was, but well, they would they would move me down from Canada, and they would sponsor me for all the stuff, and I had to stay a year after my CCIE and a year after the sponsorship was done. Well, they decided to get out of the consulting business, and uh, they were going to start laying folks off that were in my division. And but I wasn't going to be one of them. So I went to my, so this, this customer called me and said, Hey, we want you over here. This was in 2002. We want you at this federal entity. We love the job you did. Uh, what do you say? So I called my boss at Sprint and say, Hey, can you lay me off? <laughs> that is and, a funny uh, story. Said, I don't think we've heard he's that like, either. What are you talking about? I said, Yeah, I got a lot of stories. He said, What are you talking about? I said, I said, yeah, it'll save you having to lay off so and so. I've got a job lined up. They're going to close the division eventually anyway. I got to find something else within Sprint or find something else. It's done. So it did. I got my severance. I got all my stuff covered and 
bounce to the next job a week later. So that was O two. Wow. I was at the federal entity for six years after that. For six years, yeah, yeah. And were you, you? Did you say your title was some sort of a like a design network design engineer? Okay, gotcha. but I did some operations as well, implementations. But overall, I was responsible for. Uh, I can't. I can't tell you who it is, but it was. Yeah, it's no, a, that's it's okay. A, a, very uh, large, important national network, and okay. it covers all areas of the U.S. And um, so I, I was kind of at the top of the food chain at that point. So I could I was in charge of network, the land designs, the WAN designs, connecting all the sites together, making sure everything talked to the mainframes with DLSW. So that's where my DLSW stuff came in. Gotcha. Um, and then eventually internet connectivity and borders and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Did, wow. did they let you see the aliens? <laughs> no, because no. No, remember, I am Canadian, so I was technically an alien. So, yeah. <laughs> he was a walking one. Yeah, it's it's not a secret place, but it's just not one that I talk about. Cause it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so so in your six years there, did you did you gain a lot of experience in that six years or like, so, so what I'm, what I'm getting to is did, did you ever feel like you were starting to, there's a, there's a term going around our discord. Um, thanks to uh river and discord, uh, a rust out, right? Like, do you, do you feel like you, you were not, um, not being challenged at this job or, or did, did you do a lot of growing in this job? What, I did a lot of growing probably for the first four years. First four until years. I, okay. Until I got the network to a point where it was modern and stable. So we converted from X25 links to frame relay. That was project one, right? So that okay. was like get get through that kind of stuff. And then get rid of, we were started taking out mainframes and places and replacing them with servers, okay. right? And then um, virtualiza- virtualization started to come in. So we had to get rid of, now we get rid of the Solaris servers and bring in Linux servers so that they could run virtualization and then the window stuff started coming in. So getting that stuff connected to the network, getting, you know, IPs to move between data centers, but this was all new, right? So once I think once I got to that point, I think I kind of peaked from a technical perspective, at least for, for what, not that I knew everything, but for what my employer needed, mm-hmm. I got it done. I got it all done. And gotcha. then my yeah. last thing was getting the WAN stuff off of frame relay. Cause I'd put the frame relay in initially and then a few years later, we're yanking out the frame relay and putting MPLS circuits in, so <laughs> yeah. getting GRE and IPsec tunnels working over that, using internet as a backup, getting everything connected virtually over top, but using overlays. Can you? Uh, can that you, was the best. Yeah. Yeah. Can you also hit on? So you 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 said something that that uh, I don't know if you want to say triggered me or not, but so I've been at my job for about nine year, or nine years, uh, mm-hmm. like last month. Um, and you said that you got the network to where you were wanting it, right? Mm-hmm. And you said in about four years. Like, how does that feel? Because I haven't gotten mine to where I want it yet. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, did you did you get over that mountain? You were just like, ah, finally, it, it's the way I wanted yeah. it designed. Yeah, it's a, it's a good feeling. I mean, it, it, I've been fortunate. I'll tell this to anybody that asks. I've been really lucky. I've had some really solid managers that okay. trusted me and that knew what I was good at and knew that if I wasn't good at something, I would say I wasn't good at it or I wouldn't pretend they're BS them. Like something right. you don't want to do in this industry is tell people, you know, something that you don't know because it shows. So, um, my managers, I've been really lucky with managers throughout my career, honestly, like from day one and he trusted me and he, he would come to me and say, this customer wants this, or, you know, our internal customers, this application has this requirement. 
can we figure out how to get this done? I would say, this is how it's done. They would come back and say, well, I met so-and-so on an airplane and he said not to do this. And I would say, don't listen to that crap. My boss, <laughs> my, my boss would go back to them and say, no, we're not going to do it that way. So I didn't get a lot of pushback. Okay. Uh, not that I was always right. Cause I, you know, I was still growing and still learning, but, um, I was, I was given a lot of flexibility to do things the right way because I kind of had a methodology. I knew, I knew the concepts between behind HA and availability and, and redundancy and all that kind of stuff. I wasn't, I was very methodical in my approach, what configuring a, a network or designing a network. So I was given a lot of freedom and flexibility. Not everybody has that. I can appreciate that. So, uh, and it can be tough, but, um, but yeah, I, I felt, it felt good. It, it, uh, it freed me up to, once I was done, it freed me up for some of the silly things that customers would ask for. And that's kind of where it started wearing thin a little bit. It's like, you know what, maybe I need to get back into consulting, but you know, working the difference between for me, at least, cause I started off consulting and then I went into an actual network position where I owned the network. I got an appreciation for outages, mm, what those yeah. cost in terms of money and reputation right i got an appreciation for being on call all the time i got an appreciation for what that takes and, and um being careful when you're configuring something and planning something properly before you configure it so you don't cause an outage and then and this is something that helped me in my ccie checking your work after you do it no matter how good you are and how smart and how many times you've done it everybody makes mistakes and if you know those verification commands or you know what to test and what to look for when you're done, you're going to save yourself so much time down the road, you know, especially if you don't answer your phone and somebody else has to troubleshoot it. Right? <laughs> yeah. So we've been there. Solid advice there. Yeah, very, very. So you left there. You, you climbed that mountain, you left there and you went to Cisco, right? Yeah, my ultimate goal once I started getting my CCNA and stuff was to work at Cisco. It was just, I just, that was just where I wanted to be. And be, right. honestly, it was that tech engineer that inspired me, man. I just like, nice. All right, you know what? I want to work there. And uh, so 2008, so 15 years later, 15 years after I had that, that encounter, the, the interaction with the tech engineer, I was at Cisco. 2008, I joined Cisco and I've been here ever since. Nice. What was that hard first job? Hard getting into Cisco? Uh, yes, it was hard, only because they have a pretty involved interview process. Right. Um, my first job was uh, as a network consulting engineer uh, covering um, large financial accounts at Cisco. Gotcha. And it was and that's, kind of that's more pre-sales. That was post-sales. So I did post-sales post -sales. for uh, for five years at Cisco and um, still consulting, but post-sales consulting. So I would help them when they would add to their network. But, but I was still kind of having the same discussions, the architecture discussions, the design discussions that I was having when I was doing pre-sales. The only difference was I didn't have a number and uh, I would also be the one that they would call if something went wrong. So this might be a dumb question. I call TAC when something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. So what what is post-sales exactly? How, how do you <coughs> differ from support? So if, if, you have a, if you're a large customer and you've got a global network that needs... So, so TAC is great, but TAC doesn't necessarily know your network and... The time it takes to open a case, tell them your problem, figure out the solution to the problem. They don't have time to remember or to learn your network. Right. So advanced services exists for customers that want to um, 
by a block of hours. Well, you're a dedicated architect to certain clients, right? Yeah, like, yeah, de- yeah. You're dedicated to certain clients, right. so you have familiarity with their staff, with their processes. I almost said processes for the Canadian people. Uh, <laughs> their, their staff, their processes, their their network. Um, you're engaged with them throughout your contract, not your your contract, but their contract with Cisco. You can be a right. dedicated resource. You can cover three or four accounts. It's kind of like an SE. Right. Yeah. SEs would generally know their accounts. So NCEs, or that they, as they were called back then, I don't know what they're called something else now, but network consulting engineers knew their accounts. Um, and so they would still call TAC. Right? So if they called me and said, hey, we're having this issue, I would say open a TAC case. I'll have a look at it in the morning. But if they needed help moving the case along or getting uh, bug scrubs done or researching code or TAC tells them to do something, they would run it by me. That's the kind of stuff. We, we weren't TAC and we were very careful to position ourselves not being right. tacked because I don't have a lab where I can test every scenario the way that goes. So, um, now, so if you pay enough, you get one of you. Yes, <laughs> right. that's it. Yeah, that's exactly it. You yeah. get one of me or five of me or yeah, yeah. 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 In in my work as a partner, uh, doing deployments and stuff, I've worked with advanced services and talk about sharp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, I I I didn't I had fun because I was doing pure networking, but I, what I found when I was in advanced services, I, I did learn, but I didn't. I only learned what my customer. Had. Yeah. I had no opportunity right. to learn what I didn't know that Cisco made servers until I got out of advanced services, mm-hmm. because my customer didn't use UCS. Yeah, uh, I knew what they bought, and because I would only see it when it would show up, and I'd have to go help them install it or put it in. But it was the SEs and the TSAs that were ahead of the game in that new with the Cisco product. So I didn't learn about, I didn't know a product or an OS until I actually, the customer needed it. I didn't have time to go learn. I didn't get to go see the announcements and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. in that way, I kind of, I, I feel like I lost a couple of years. I mean, I, I it, it wasn't a waste. I, I did get better at networking, you know, and I got really, really good at Nexus 7000 and Catalyst 6500s, but I didn't know some of the other stuff that Cisco was doing. So you said when you were just starting out uh, into networking that you wanted to work at Cisco. Mm-hmm. Did you have an ultimate goal of what you wanted your role to be, or you just wanted to get in the door and see what happened? I just wanted to get in the door and see what happened. I would, I was, I would have gone to TAC. I would have gone to AS. I would have gone to BNSE. I would have gone to anything. Okay. I just wanted to be at Cisco. Yeah. So how did you pick your? position like was it the first that came up or you're like well i've been a consultant before i'll do that for cisco yeah it was the first it was the first that came up they, they offered okay. me a job and i took it yeah is the culture as good as i hear yeah it is <laughs> it, it, that and that's the, to, to answer tim's question i know aj had a question I, I, I it was an important question i don't want to forget it but um everything you've heard about cisco i mean of course it depends on your manager and your team but it's a really good place to work. I mean, it, they don't have the startup mentality that a lot of startups still have and a lot of companies still have. Like we don't, you don't get the free sodas in the, in the break rooms anymore. Um, but they, 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 they are very good at empowering their employees and trusting their employees. We don't, you know, one of the things that drove me nuts about being in federal and for the, when I worked at the, the federal entity was our laptops were so locked down to a point of being almost useless. So we had to, so you know this story. So, you know, I, we had, I can't tell you where I work, but you're preaching to the choir. We had, I, there, there was, it actually got as bad as we had to carry two laptops. I could have a laptop that I could access my network devices with, and I could have a laptop that I could do my emails with. 
I right? have two laptops. And, and it was just very so so you know what I'm talking about, right? So at Cisco, I it's like one of the first first things uh, I get is I get this packet with my laptop and, and a sh- cover sheet saying, okay, it's got Windows or whatever we were up to back then, XP or something on it. Uh, if you want to install your own a- AS or OS, you're on your own, but go for it. Here's how you access the network. You actually have admin privileges on your work laptop. I still do. Are still even in 2021. I do. I mean, we have. Oh, they'll they'll make sure my screensaver is set to 10 minutes and that I have a password that changes every six months. But at at the federal place, we had to change our stupid password every month, and we didn't have single sign on, so I was changing 20 passwords every month. Mm. Oh. And they had different password requirements. I'm trashing my old employer. I really shouldn't do that. <laughs> they had different, different, different password requirements. <laughs> yeah. And and then they would lock the laptop down and lock, you know, you can't install secure CRT because we don't have this. And it's like, I have a license. No, you can't install it. You don't have admin rights. So I have to open a ticket to get them to install a piece of software oh. for me that I need to do my job, right? Yeah. And it was just so, fr- it, it, you know, I, I, we can laugh about it and complain about it, but it, it actually was stressful because I would, uh, th- those laptops were so bad. They would take like 10 minutes to boot up. Yeah. Right. And I'm sitting there, my pager's going off and there's an outage in, in Philadelphia. Some guy named Andy did something wrong. And, and, I got, <laughs> and I, I'm waiting for, Very plausible. I'm waiting for my laptop to boot up and it, because it's sitting there doing the decrypt process that Jeez. some goofball engineer had put on there. Right. So anyway, so it, they, they're very empowering. They're very trusting. So even today we, we get control over what we do, but it, you know, it, it always, of course, depends on your manager, but um, it's a fun place to work. Um, there's the cool part. And this is why I don't know that I'll ever leave is there's always someone smarter than you. Mm-hmm. And that's the way you learn, right? Like, yeah. and, and honestly, to, to a person at Cisco, I've never once gone to somebody for help and have them say, I'm too busy. I can't help you go ask somebody. else. And I've been here 13 years. I've yeah. never once come across that mentality. Every TSA or SE or AS, you know, NCE or AM, is always willing to help you on your customer, whether they get paid on it or not. Right. Um, I could go to attack guy and not have to open a tack case to get a question answered. I could go, they don't sit there and say, Oh, open a tack case and I'll answer your question. For you. I just hit them up on our chat program and they'll answer it. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's a great, it's a great place to work. Honestly. I mean, it, you know, it, it, like I said, they don't pay startup money. It's a big company. We have 60,000 employees, but, um, I like it here. I do like it. here. It's awesome. awesome. Yeah. AJ, what, AJ, do you want to? Yeah. yeah, I know you got. Yeah, uh, you had a question. You have a question? Yeah, yeah. I I was just gonna, you know, kind of prompt you. How, how how did you get from that post sales into pre sales? So, <laughs> so would that be the systems engineer job? That was my SE job. Yeah. So funny. This is another funny story. Um, <laughs> so I was an NTE for five years, covering a large financial account, and the SE that covered. Um, the place I used to work, the federal entity was moving to another account. Mm. So my boss, my ex boss at this federal entity asked Cisco, can we move Roddy over to BRSE? So, <laughs> so but nobody I, asked Roddy if that's what he wanted. <laughs> nobody asked Roddy. So they had this conversation. This is, that's a good point Tim. So they had this conversation. I had no idea. I hadn't talked to any of these folks for five years. And I get a call from the account manager and, and he says, uh, Hey, um, I was just talking to so-and-so at the customer 
And I was like, oh, how's he doing? He's like, he's good, but uh, their SE is leaving and they want you to be their SE. <laughs> so full circle again, I end up moving from advanced services to the sales organization in federal to cover, to be the SE for my old employer. Nice. So I built, I, I had built that network. So I knew the network. Yeah. I knew the funkiness that the government places, the, the federal institutions do. I knew the processes. I knew the politics. I knew the staff. I knew all the people there. So I didn't, that, that was a cool, again, I've been so lucky. I didn't have to learn that stuff as well as learn how to be an SE. I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I got to learn how to be an SE in an environment that I was a hundred percent familiar with. That's right? pretty neat. I, I, did, I didn't have to introduce myself to anybody. I didn't have to go and say, Oh, here's how I do things. They knew how I did things. They knew how to talk to me. and how to get They knew what to expect basically. Yeah. 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 So it was a good, again, very, very, very lucky. I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I, I've been really lucky in my career for, for those kinds of opportunities. So I was there for, I was the SE on that account for uh, three years. And then I, what does an SE do? <laughs> what does an SE do? So I, I'm not trying to be no, smart. No, that's a good question. It's, it seems like a really great gig. We've talked to a couple SEs yeah. and I've never talked to a Cisco SE, but you know, you're a very technical guy. You built the network. What does that SE role look like for you? Like, what do you have to learn and do differently that you were doing in your engineering job? Yeah, it's, it's a different, um, it's a different. So Cisco now calls their SEs, they call them SAs, and I have to correct myself sometimes. So now it's system architects instead of system engineer. Hmm. So um, an SE is the, so the, uh, an account team at Cisco is made up of an account manager and an SA. So the account manager does the numbers sales type stuff, and the SA does the technical sales type stuff. So the SA is responsible for recommending a platform to fit a requirement or recommending a solution to fit a requirement, learning the customer network, learning how, what they need, anticipating what they might need in the future. Oh, you know, you've got a bunch of these routers that are going to be end of sale in a year. Let's start planning to migrate away. Here's the new platform. SA will go on and do uh, tech talks to tell them about new platforms and new software features. It's a hard, it's, I would say that the SE position or SA position at Cisco is a harder position at Cisco. Hmm. And that's mostly because you are responsible for all things Cisco. I was going to ask you, do you only have a narrow set of products no, or you have to know it all? No, an SA is a generalist. So you have to know mm-hmm. router switches, data center, enterprise security, uh, collaboration, storage, servers. What else do we do? Whatever, uh, cloud stuff, all the stuff that we do. An SA has to, I mean, you can't. You you can you can't know everything about everything, unfortunately. But that's but what makes it hard is you have to know at least a little bit about everything, so so you can at least have the first conversation and then know who to call to bring in. So then you would bring in a TSA, right? So a lot of SAs have a collab background, so their focus is collab, so they're really strong collab, but they're not so strong on routing and switching. So they'll bring a TSA in sooner than a regular SA would, right? Um, but th- that's what makes the job hard is you have to keep on top of all of those solutions and technologies and know what Cisco is bringing out because you're responsible for making sure those solutions get in front of customers. Right? So how so, did you personally gauge how deep you had to go in any given discipline? Um, I don't know that I thought about it too much, Tim. I, I At my core, I was a route switch guy. So... Um, that was the, the no brainer for me. Um, I mean, so when, when we would come out with the Nexus stuff, I would learn a little, I wasn't a data, you, you mean, 
when I was working at the federal entity, we didn't have Nexus, right? So CAT 6500 was the switch at the data center and the switch at the campus. It didn't, there was no distinction between data center technologies. So when I became, by the time I became an SA, there were, the data center was its own world and had its own product line. So I guess I wanted to, just using data center as an example, I wanted to get as good a data center as I was at campus and, and branch technologies. Okay. Gotcha. But I didn't want to get into being really good at firewalls and really good at telepresence or really good at storage because it was just, I didn't have an interest in it. That was the truth. Yeah. I, I do want to say I appreciate your pun. You said that at your core, you're a route switch guy. Very good. <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> I, nice. I, uh, that was intentional. Yeah. It's <laughs> absolutely not intentional. Thank you, Tim, for pointing out my butt. So we, we spent a lot of time on your story and, and how you got to where you were, which is amazing. Just before we run out of time, I have no idea what SD Access or DNA Center are. Oh. So I don't know when we want to pivot to that, but if you could just do like a high level, because they're your areas, right? They like are, yeah. That's the book you wrote. And so can you teach a dummy like what is this stuff really quick? And like, well, I, yeah, yeah, well right, right before you get into that, though, but why, why SD Access? Because... There's a certain book, you know, that, oh, yeah. like, how did you get into that? You know, uh, see, see, I didn't, for some reason, I thought we just finished the intro. Is this the whole podcast? Because myself, I've caught myself like, I'm, you're Brody, you're talking way too much about yourself, but I guess. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, well, you're an interesting cat who's done a yeah, lot and definitely. I'm, 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 I'm really learning a lot from this. So like, that's, I, you know. Now we're at the part for me. We're like, well, what is oh, this okay. stuff yeah, that he's I, an expert I, at? And I just, I thought I was just supposed to introduce myself. I didn't realize that the podcast would actually be my story, which is kind of cool. I just, uh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Dan wants to know why I got into SDA or why a customer should get into SDA. So you, there's a book out there. <laughs> there is a book out there. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get to oh, your I, book. I, I wrote a book. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. that's so, it. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. So, so, okay. So Andy, I'll come back to your question after I talk yep. about uh, my book that I really don't publicize a whole lot. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just not comfortable doing it. But, um, uh, well, I guess, uh, so let me fast forward a little bit. So I was an SA for three years and then I was a TSA still in federal covering just enterprise technology. So land and WAN. And then I had this opportunity come up about three and a half years ago, focused on DNA Center and SDA. So about a year and a half, two years ago, a friend of mine had written a couple books for Cisco Press. We were just kind of talking back and forth. And I said, you know, one of my kind of bucket list items was to write a Cisco Press book because it's, it's what I got started reading when I started doing my certifications. So, mm-hmm. um, and he said, yeah, you know, I said, well, I, I talked to the, to the, the publishing house once in a while, if there's a topic that comes up that I think would be good at, we'll, we'll do it. So a couple months later, he gives me a call. He said, they want an SDA book. Are you in? I said, sure, let's do it. Nice. Um, yeah. Did you have a writing background? <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, ca- are we counting blogs and trolling people on Twitter? IPv6 guys, man. How I long could, have I you could, been trolling them? I, I could write a book on trolling t- people on Twitter. Uh, no, I, I had, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd never written anything beyond, I mean, I'd written white papers and written kind of architecture documents and kind of stuff like that, but I'd never written anything like a book. And, uh, I, I do want to talk about the book experience a little bit. Cause it's yeah, people, a lot of people it. ask sure. me and, uh, uh, so, so he said, yeah, let's write a book on SDA. So I was like, okay, it's been on my list 
I always wanted to have my name on a Cisco press book because I knew a lot of authors and they were always really sharp and always helpful. I was like, I want to be one of those people. So I'll, I'll never do it again. <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's that's the entire experience. That's, that's the I did experience. it. I'll never yeah, do it, it again. It, it. I'll tell you, man. It's a mind. It, it it is it is a different experience, man. I can write. I can write an email. I can write to y'all. I can go back and forth with AJ. I could write a, a blog post about food and networking and talk about it. But I'm going to write the way I speak. Mm-hmm. When you're writing a book, first of all, you you have deadlines, right? If I'm writing a blog post. I have like 15 posts and drafts right now, right? Because <laughs> that have been there for like two and a half years. <laughs> I don't have deadlines, right? So, I mean, I have posts on like IPv6. So, like, I just, I'll never get to them, right? Because IPv6 is never going to be a thing. So, um, I, I, I uh, <laughs> you could edit that one out too. Adrian. Oh, no, we're leaving uh, every bit. So, we got that. I, we're good. you know, so, so you get this, this, you know, here's your milestones, right? You want to get one fifth of the way through by this date, one, two fifths, three fifths, four fifths, et cetera. And, you know, again, I've kind of gotten my head what I want to talk about, but I sat down to do this damn book and I started writing it like a lab guide. And I thought, this isn't going to fill a book. This is like 15 pages at best, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I called the, the my buddy who co-authored it, Jason Gooley, and, and I said, and I, I'm writing this and it just doesn't feel right. I'm writing a lab guide and I know we don't want a lab guide. So he kind of gave me some ideas because he'd written a couple of books before and I started doing it, but I just kept running out of words. And it, you, you hear authors, technical and non-technical talk about sitting in front of a, a blank word document, not knowing what to type. I was like that every hmm. damn day. <laughs> I mean, it, I know my shit. I know SDA at this point. I know how to talk about SDA. I know how to sell SDA. I know how to help people with SDA. But how do I, how do you write about it in a book? So I started and I, I went into, oh, here's the history of automation. I think, okay, I'll start historical and maybe that'll kind of give me some ideas. And, and so I did a little bit of that and talked about Ansible and all that kind of stuff. So I sent some drafts to the uh, publisher and they it was marked to hell. So you can't use... <laughs> Uh, you, you can't use we, you can't use my, you can't oh my use, gosh. it has to be uh, in person. How, how many, just, how many cuss words did they have to cut out too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just curious. So the impersonal, yeah. the, the impersonal, you know, way of writing is intentional. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is like, so, you know, again, I, I would, if I write on my blog post right now, I would say, you know, next thing you're going to do is do this. And then mm-hmm. we're going to see what happens, right? You can't write something like that in an official book. Be more engaging and, and that's not well <laughs> you think i don't i don't know why right i don't yeah. i don't get it I, but it's that's the rule and it, it's right. just i'm not saying people shouldn't do it but there are some fantastic sister press authors authors out there and i've learned a lot from those books i'm just beating up on the ocg no, just because it's in fashion that's yeah I mean. but <laughs> but uh i it just wasn't for me like i couldn't i can write in my natural language in the way i speak okay and because and maybe it's just maybe I'm weird, right? Because but because of the way my brain works, communicating that stuff has to be communicated in my style. I'm sitting there and you tell me to write this, but write it in this way. I really struggled, and it took me. I missed deadline after that. I felt so bad for Jason, man. He was getting crap from the publisher because I was missing <laughs> deadline. And we got it done. We got it done. I had two co-authors, and um, we got the book done. And it's been out, I think, since August. So it's been out for almost a year. 
Um, AJ's got uh, uh, a couple of copies there, I believe. I do. He's gonna, I do. He's going to probably steal one and, and do something <laughs> with the others. Um, so the book is about software, Cisco software to find access. And so answer, to get to your question, Andy, oh, you want to hold it up there? Yeah, do, do, there it is. Do, I say Wait. listeners, do, do people actually get to watch these videos? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. yeah, yeah. put them on Absolutely. YouTube. Shit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh what you did your hair you look great really What's wrong? Yeah, it looks good. that's pretty good but you're blue for some reason mr smurf <laughs> oh come on man <laughs> papa smurf so yeah papa, papa smurf. smurf there we go papa smurf. <laughs> found his new nickname wait wait how how does how does it feel to hold that book like when it's done and you suffered through it and like now you're on a cisco press book i mean that's got to be a high watermark right like yeah I'll never do it again. <laughs> right. But I, so, I was, but, I, I, it, it felt good. No, no, that's a good question. Andy. That's it's, amazing. It, it really is. It, that's a great question. I, 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 and I've had people ask me this. It feels great. I have my name on Cisco press, but you can, I have an author page on Amazon, mm-hmm. right? If you Google my name now with software to find access or Cisco, now you're getting hits for my book, not shitty blog posts that I wrote in 2006 <laughs> or, or t- tweets where I'm trolling IPv6 people. You're actually getting a legitimate yeah. author page on Google and an author page on, on Amazon. So that's pretty cool. That is really cool. Yeah, yeah it was. I think I, I was, I think I was so anxious to get it done because I was so, it took a lot out of me. Just, yeah. it was so stressful because of the whole language thing and being able to talk. I don't know that I enjoyed it as much as I should have. I wish I had. I wish I had because it, yeah, it's a big deal. It is a big deal, and and it kind of opens up things. People can introduce me as an author. Right? I don't consider yeah. myself an author. I wrote some pages for a book, but um, but yeah, it is. You know, I can sit there and say, look, I you know, I probably read my first Cisco Press book in ninety eight, ninety nine, and you know, here we are, twenty three years later, and and uh, and I have my name on one now. Yeah, I'd have cool. them all over my house. I'd be giving <laughs> oh, them yeah. to people. I'm like, look what I did. That's man. what Check I did. Yeah. 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 That's what I've been doing. It, and it came out kind of during the pandemic. So I wasn't able to, we didn't have a book signing at Cisco live. Oh, that yeah. was called you. off. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. We were yeah. supposed to have a book signing at Cisco live us and at Cisco live Europe, but those got called off. Because well, the, well, next year we, we can do that. So 2022 yeah. in Vegas, I'll be able to get your book signed by you. Is that what you're telling if they, me? If they're going to do one. Yeah. Well, regardless of whether or not there's a book signing, Andy, I'll, I'll, I'll go and I'll sign the book. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. yeah. You so Andy about, can finally figure out what SD access is. <laughs> you know, I have, to have a conversation, breakout session. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Meet the engineer. Yeah. So you talked about timelines. Were you getting to write this as part of your TSA job or was this all on your own time? It's all on my own time. Oh, okay. wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Is it just wow. pride, like saying that you got to be on a book or... Like does Cisco say, "Hey, we're going to give you a bonus because you're on a book"? No, or like, there's, there's, you get ten percent of sales. Sounds like, like a separate project. You, you yeah. get it's a separate. It's a, yeah. It's, it's writing nothing for Cisco Press has job. nothing to do with okay. working at Cisco. I don't. So get, it's you and the publisher, and me you and the publisher. Yeah, whatever. yeah. My gotcha. my boss knows because I told him that I was writing it. Yeah. But other than that, there's absolutely no tie-in. I get paid okay. from the publisher. And okay. You don't gotcha. again. You don't. I didn't do it for the money. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You don't. Right. There's writing books to make money is don't do it because you, you don't make anything out of it. But I did it. I, I mean, I did it because I love the technology, right? I didn't do it. Yeah. It was, it, it wasn't an ego thing. It, it was, there was some pride there. I did want to have my name on a, on a cool Cisco press book, but that was just more of a, cause it's cool. Not because I want my name out there. I, I plan on a different career, man. I'm 50 years old. So I'm at the, where I'm at and I'm happy where I'm at. 
But isn't it interesting how difficult it is to put into words or a, like to take the technical stuff that you know how to do and how it works? Like I remember when we were starting out and then we played around with some YouTube stuff and like like it's it's so difficult. Like I know how to do this. I do it for a living. I do it every day. But then to try to explain it and put it into words and, and have it make sense and bring somebody along. It's, it's tough. It's really, really difficult. Yeah. It's tough. And, and I can do it socially. I can do it talking to you interactively. Yeah. No problem. I can give a Cisco Live presentation and talk about SD access, right? I've done lots of those. But, those are great. But putting it in a form is a different thing. Putting like, it in a form, especially in something where a certain amount of content or words are expected, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That's pressure too. Right? It is. And and not every technology is conducive to a book. And I'll say that about SDA, right? It's matured and changed. The GUI has changed drastically since we did the book and the book's only a year old. So, mm. um, yeah, it is, it's tough. And, and I, I, uh, I was like I said, I'm proud, proud that I got my name on it. Proud that I got it done. I'm glad I got it done. I don't regret it one single bit, but one of the draft blog posts in my, on my blog is, why I wrote a book and why I'll never do it again. So, <laughs> I want to read that post. Spoiler, spoiler alert. Just listen to this episode. And yeah. like, <laughs> Are you a Patreon member, Andy? You should join the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, uh, so Roddy, let, let's answer uh, Andy's, Andy's question yeah. now. Let, what at a high level, what is SD access? So uh, I'm going to try not to be salesy. On purpose. Again, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm break. really not salesy. So, uh, SD software defined access is. See, I, I modify my language, so we're supposed to say Cisco software defined access whenever right, we right, say right. it. We're not allowed to say SDA or just SDS. So, Cisco software defined access, Andrew, is <laughs> uh, <laughs> is uh, is an overlay. Uh, is a fabric technology for the uh, campus and branch. And what it allows, so if you're familiar with ACI, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like ACI, but for the fabric or for the campus and branch where you have users and IoT devices versus servers and applications. Can I ask you an embarrassing question? Yeah. We're in the trust tree, right? <laughs> I don't, it depends on who's editing this episode. <laughs> yeah, ask the question. <laughs> what the hell's the fabric? Okay. Yeah, I, th- I don't like that word. I shouldn't have used it. I don't either. No. People keep explaining it to me, and I think it's a bunch of damn switches tied together somehow. But I don't get it's, it. It's virt- it's a it's a. I don't know who can explain it better than me. So <laughs> well, the way I'm I look at it is guy. it's a bunch of virtual. We can skip book, it and edit it book. out if you want, but I just yeah. I don't know when you as soon as you said fabric, I'm like I still don't know. Yeah, what do you the do you have to use is. like which brand of fabric fabric softener do you have to use? You know, to like make it act right and all that. Yeah. So uh, no, is it abstraction? Is that what the fabric is? I would would call it an abstraction. You're you're basically you're glomming a whole bunch of network devices together to perform one function Mm, to look cohesive, so that you can plug anything into that glom of network devices in and have it behave the same. Instead of all these disparate pieces, yeah. Instead of necessarily having logic, yeah. It's a this and it's logical, right? Exactly, right. So it, it they don't have to be directly connected together, right? your fabric could ride over a whole bunch of infrastructure. But so technically your MPLS network is a fabric, mm-hmm. right? Your VPN from site A to site B is a fabric. Um, FedRAMP is it's a an fabric, overlay, right? Okay. It's an overlay. Um, would those, right. would and those be considered threads? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're getting deep. I'm bad at this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't. 
I didn't mean to pull you off and, and distract you. So, uh, okay, so I, I think I got fabric. At my core, I'm a distribution guy. No, I'll, I'll leave uh, <laughs> That's how you do a pun, Dan. So, <laughs> so, uh, make notes of that. <laughs> that too, man. You just you said it would get weird. Yeah. Um, so software-defined access is an overlay technology. I, I, I prefer that word. Thanks, AJ. And um, so what did, what did, I'll get into the the features in a minute, but what it allows you to do is basically set up this overlay between your floors, buildings, sites, departments, a camp, departments, okay. the, the departments are more of a logical, but yeah, absolutely. And where anything that, or wherever you plug in your, your, um, your laptop or your IOT device, it, it I know a better way to say this. It doesn't matter which port. You can connect to any right. any port on this fabric switch. Will behave be like on a specific port, right? In VLAN, right. Like you it's... don't have to statically assign the VLAN or make sure that that VLAN has access to this default gateway because this is mm. where the router is or this layer three. Right. Everything's kind of overlaid on top. So um, it's software, you know, software defined, and that's where we get into the DNA Center part in a minute. But um, it's an overlay technology using VXLAN and Lisp to accomplish this, right? So you have a bunch of layer three capable switches that are set up as routed access, right? That's your underlay. Okay. And if you remember the way Cisco used to recommend to do networks probably 18 years ago is we wanted layer three on every switch mm-hmm. and every switch is the default gateway. So in an SD access fabric, that's how you configure your underlay because the underlay's role is to forward layer three packets as quickly as possible wherever they need to go. Okay. Those packets are the SDA overlay packets. Okay. So when uh, you send a ping to Dan, regardless of where Dan's laptop is plugged in, that packet's going to get encapsulated by your access switch. And it will be sent directly to the loopback address of the switch that Dan is connected to. Right. So it's not going to go through the network natively. It's not going to have the same Dan's destination IP address all the way through the network. If the destination IP address, as soon as that packet leaves your switch, is going to be the, the loopback address of the switch that Dan is connected to. And then so that's like a VXLAN tunnel. It's a VXLAN tunnel. It is exactly VXLAN. So it uses okay. Lisp as the control plane okay. to find out where Dan lives, right? So it'll say, okay, this packet's going to 10 1, or sorry, uh, F E A B colon A one four seven colon. Oh wait a minute, we're not using that technology. So it's going to go to ten one one one, and it'll do a Lisp lookup to say, hey, where is ten one one one? Lisp will the control plane will say it's on this switch. Here's the mm-hmm. loopback address of this switch. The switch will then encapsulate it in VXLAN and send it directly to that switch. So okay. the beauty is there can be anything in between those switches. Okay. You, yeah. It's layer three all the way through the network. So you can use ECMP to load balance between your links. So you're no longer, there's no spanning tree. Oh. Right? Oh. Which is, so that's when I want to be the sales guy. That started with that. Yeah. Well, then, when, that's, that's, when I, when I want to be the sales guy, I find the oldest person in the room and tell them that they're going to get rid of Andy. You're going to get rid of spanning tree. You're never going to have to worry about a spanning tree loop or root bridges or priorities or any of that uh, stuff ever again because I love it. Every man. switch is layer three connected to every other switch. Every mm-hmm. link is a point to point slash thirty or slash thirty one, depending on how weird you are. And then um, <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to troll the valid slash statement. I, I'm going to troll the slash 31 people next. So yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Hey, listen, it should be slash 31. It's a point to point. There's no reason to waste. Two oh my gosh. On this slash Here we go. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> my, my, Serenity now. my opinion <laughs> of you just went a little bit lower. On Why that do you one, need Andy? a broadcast address yeah. or a gateway and a point to point? Because that's what, the guy that invented IP said to do, Andy. Yeah. That's what but he, he was wrong. <laughs> and you know what? And Why send a broadcast look, across the point to look, point? When we standardize on IPV Andy, you can do whatever you want with whatever technology you want. Right now, I'm change, IPv4. I'm changing the phrase. It's now get off Andy's overlay. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, if a slash 31 didn't work, he should have wrote the protocol well, so that a slash 31 wouldn't all work. All right. Well, we, we found out who the weirdo of our group is. So anyways. <laughs> I, I the, the, the point to point connections. <laughs> Honestly, like the the Ant Man thing was bad, but man, nothing matches. Thirty one. So, uh, so anyway, so talking about oh, so you get rid of spanning tree. That's that's what I say. I find the oldest uh, guy in the room named Andy, and I tell him, hey, you get to get rid of spanning tree because everything is layer three. We're going to use ECMP to to load balance across these layer three links, so we're going to use your links efficiently. Um, you can even, if you're really weird, have non-Cisco devices in between. If you, if your mandate, because you work at a federal agency says you have to have other devices and you want to put a Juniper router in between your two fabric switches, you can do that. As did long it, as a Juniper router can route layer three packets between the two, it's, but it's good. Did, did, did that hurt to say that? It did. Yeah, it I looked a little painful. <laughs> I was just wondering. <laughs> I almost used the F word before I said it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a magical feature in a Cisco um, image. It's standards based. It's, just, it's just, okay. Yeah, it's, it's standards based. It's whatever. It is, and like, uh, it's, yeah, it's based on. So you just have to be able to route on your switch, and you're good. Yeah, you. Uh, well, so so the the, the non Cisco switch doesn't even know that it's SDA, right? It's just routing a layer three packet from point to point. He doesn't yeah. care. He's not part of that conversation. He doesn't know about VXLAN or Lisp. So where's that magic happening on the, the edge? Two endpoints. These two endpoint switches, right? The the access and they switch. have to be Cisco, right? Yes, the, that's yeah. the, <laughs> the members of your fabric. You're going to have a border, which is how traffic gets in and out of the fabric. A control plane, which is like the DNS server for this stuff, and an edge switch, which is your access switch. So all of those functions have to be Cisco Catalyst 9300s, 9500s, 9493. Does it have to uh, be the 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 9000 series? Because I know, like in ACI, you have to have the Nexus nine, like the 9300 and whatnot. So yeah, so Cisco uh, for uh, Catalyst 9000 series, all of them, and the Catalyst 3850 and the Catalyst 3560 all support SDA. Um, oh, the okay. ISR 4Ks support the border function of SDA okay. because you might want to have a router as a border instead of a switch. Um, and then there are some other uh, different models that are supported. Well, now, now you've piqued my interest here. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm curious, why the 3560? Legacy. It's oh, a, okay. It was a layer. When we sense. came out with this, the 9K hadn't come out yet. So SDA came out about eight months before the 93, uh, probably a year before the Cat 9K. Okay. So we were we had already designed it, but we we came out with them kind of just after each other. So the cat, the 3850 and the 3650, as long as they're layer three capable and licensed, will support mm -hmm. SDA. Okay. Now, so yeah. let me ask this. Do you have to have a certain iOS for that? Uh, I mean, it's going to be current. Anything now. So, I mean, SDA has been out for uh, five years, almost well, five years. So like on the ACI side, you know, you have to have the NXOS yeah. oh, ACI mode kind of thing. 
So you don't have to yeah. have a special. No, it's iOS XE. Okay. Yeah, it's just right. your plain iOS XE. Um, and uh, so the other things that, before I forget, the other things that SDA gives you. So you get the fabric, Andy. So that's the fabric piece I'm being able to plug in. Um, but it also has the VXLAN implementation we're using uh, supports scalable group tags or SGTs or secure group tags, depending on what you want to call them, which allow you to mark your traffic based on the authentication and authorization process. So when you log in, your port is enabled for .1x, say you're going to log in username Andy, password IPv6 stinks. ICE is going <laughs> to have a policy. I got to stop. <laughs> ICE, 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 ICE has a policy that says, okay, you're allowed in. I'm going to look at my AD and that password matches. Um, and it's, I'm going to put them on this VLAN. And I'm going to assign him this SGT because he's in group engineers. And then Dan logs in, the same process happened, but Dan might be in group uh, accountants, right? So all of your traffic, Andy, as soon as it hits the network, is going to be marked in the engineering group. All of Dan's traffic is going to be marked in the accountants group all the way through. That SGT will stay in the VXLAN header. Is the SGT the policy? Is that it's, what it's just a tag. The, it's the oh, marker, it's tag, right? Okay, and, then, identifies, okay. and then you can write policies that say permit based on the tag. Yeah, permit engineering to yeah. accounting, deny engineering to accounting. Permit, they're, you, they're written as standard or extended ACLs almost, right? You, mm. you, they're not stateful. It's not a firewall, but you can have what they call micro segmentation within a fabric very easily. So am I writing these policies in DNA Center or in ICE? Yeah, so I'm going to, so that's that'll get me to the DNA Center topic. So, um, DNA Center orchestrates the SDA configuration. So when you mm. when you want to build your SDA network, you either discover or onboard your devices in DNA Center. So they can be pre-existing if you manually configured your underlay, or you can pull them out of the box and put them uh, and do LAN, what we call LAN automation, which will build the underlay automatically for you based on whatever parameters you give it. So it'll go into a brand new factory out-of-the-box switch and... It, with the switches come in plug-and-play mode now. They have for six, six, seven years, right? It'll discover it. It'll push the appropriate underlay configuration to it. It'll give it a name, an IP address. It'll onboard it into DNA Center. And then in DNA Center, you pick your fabric rules. I want this switch to be an, ax, an edge switch. I want this switch to be my border. I want this switch to be the control plane. Um, I want this these authentication policies, .1x, MAB, whatever, it will orchestrate all the configuration on the switch as well as some of the configuration in ICE. So you still have to build your authorization authentication policies in ICE, but your security policies, so the permitting accounting to engineering, you actually do in DNA Center, and DNA Center will push them to ICE. There's no magic. This is TrustSec, right? This is Cisco okay. TrustSec. Um, so all the policies are still it live in ICE, and ICE is the one that pushes the policies down to the edge switches whenever you log in. But the orchestration and the configuration is done in DNA. Gotcha. I have a WAN question. <laughs> so if you're doing VXLAN across the network, you're doing VXLAN across the WAN, you got to have jumbo frames enabled. Is that correct? You should have jumbo frames enabled. So we tell you to have jumbo frames enabled. The okay, reality so how is does that... the, it's 150 bytes, I think you need. So you you got to get up to 1650 somehow. Okay, so how would that work with like SD-WAN if you're leveraging DIA that maybe the carrier doesn't support that? How, how do you make 
SDA function, sorry, Cisco software defined access. <laughs> how, <laughs> how, how do you make that function? Does it fragment or do you just say, uh, no, sorry, it's not going to work? No. So um, SDA, Cisco software defined access is a, <laughs> uh, is a campus branch technology. It's not a WAN technology. So we don't actually support stretching a fabric across a WAN. Okay. So you just and, treat it as separate sites? I'm, I'm just trying well, to see how sites well, tie so, together. So, so what will happen is if, if, um, if, one, if the host at one site is on the SDA fabric and the host on the other site is not, all the VXLAN stuff gets stripped as soon as it leaves the border. So okay. then you don't have your MTU issues. If you are running a technology called multi-site, which allows you to do end-to-end SDA or end-to-end segmentation, um, I think right now... And I, I don't want to say this without knowing for sure. Um, I think right now we still require 1600 MTU across the WAN if you want to do multi-site. Okay. But I'd have to confirm that. Gotcha. Um, yeah, because you, you have to allow for the overhead. And I mean, obviously the the old solution for us old folks is to adjust the MTU on the, the end hosts or to use a, a TCP adjust MSS on the edge, which will work, but it won't work with UDP. So if you've got UDP traffic mm. that's fifteen hundred bytes, it's going to get it's going to get dropped or fragmented, which is worse, right? Gotcha. Okay. So AJ, um, I don't think we want to go too much further in SD access because I think we want to actually do an episode just on SD access, right? Oh so, yeah, we will. So, I'm getting fired up. So yeah, if we, need we these are good questions. These are really good questions. So yeah, I love it. I'd love to come back. Man. That'd be great. So yeah, AJ. So I, I just want to go like a, a little bit deeper into the DNA center as being like the central hub of it, and then uh, and then we can put a bow on it. Sure. So so DNA center will orchestrate software defined access. So that software defined access or SDA is one of the applications in DNA center. Um, DNA center also does software image management. So you can uh, I'm, I'm going to start to sound like a salesperson now, but um, you can upgrade, you can define your golden image per site, per building, per floor, per platform, per model and automatically upgrade uh, those devices to that version of code. It'll download it from CCO automatically. You can schedule it to stage it ahead of time. You can schedule it to reboot it later. You can schedule it to happen right away. So software image management is another one. Hold on. Yes. How do you deal with the licensing? <laughs> so. <laughs> you hesitated, uh, Roddy. Well, I, I did because it, stuff, it sounds- stuff has changed. It, yeah. Well, right. It sounds magical. It's but ma- it is magical. You got to deal with, but then you got to deal with the licensing. You can't just push stuff without buying licenses. It, it's, you know, right, it's, right? it's magical. No, it, yeah. it'll. Uh, so, so we have. No, that, that, that's a good question. So we we have changed things a little bit recently. However, we don't distribute images based on license features. We've had a one image philosophy now for a few years. So there is one ninety three forty eight TS dash forty eight image out there for. 1763. There's not one for services. There's not one for enterprise. You don't, we don't have different images for different licenses anymore. So the licensing but, is actually in the configuration. Okay. Right. So you enable your license on your switch. You can have a talk to smart licensing to validate online, or you can download a pack and, and enable it locally. So image distribution, upgrading a router license doesn't matter. It's the configuration will hold the licensing. Okay. Okay. Sweet. 
Uh-oh. He hated that answer so much. He just <laughs> he's done. <laughs> Andy he's going battery. He's, no, Andy he's Rage going. quitted once again. He's, 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 he's going to upgrade his, battery his switches in. now because yeah. he, uh, he he knows he doesn't have to worry about licensing anymore. So he's going to do some yeah. upgrades. So um, Swim is the name of that um, feature in, in DNA Center Software Image Management. Uh, it does um, templates. So you can, again based on your configure, you can type in configuration templates in DNA Center and have it roll those templates out to different platforms, different buildings, different sites. You can standardize based on any of those parameters or criteria. Um, the, it has Assurance, which is like a monitoring platform mm-hmm. that will, it, it's the strengths right now are, are very wireless centric. So it can look at the onboarding process. It'll tell you all your SNRs and all your wireless stuff. I'm not a wireless person, so all these words don't mean anything to me. But I've seen them on screens, so I know they're I know they're legit. So uh, it'll tell you what the SNR is and if there's any interference and rogue APs and all that kind of stuff. It'll allow you to place APs based on strength. Um, it doesn't have all of the features that Cisco Prime has. So I know Cisco Prime is the big thing right now with wireless with Cisco Wireless, but most of those features are being copied into Cisco DNA Center. So um, it lets you see usage on your devices, usage on your links. We have application assurance, which will actually get down to, okay, uh, Office 365 is having issues in this building. This router is part of that conversation. This is how many users are affected because we're getting all the user information from ICE, right? This is how many users are affected. Um, here's this device that's unhealthy. This is probably the cause of the problem. So that's mm-hmm. the kind of things that assurance will do. Um, it's based on, uh, it takes information from SNMP, Syslog, NetFlow, streaming telemetry, and correlates it all together and matches it against a known set of issues that is in the database. That database comes from 30 odd years of TAC cases. Wow. Right? So they basically said, what are, what are our customers, what are the most common issues our customers have run into over the last 30 odd years? Let's put those into assurance and let's get assurance. Let's teach DNA Center or assurance how to recognize these issues based on this specific message in syslog or this message in a trap or this message in, in NetFlow or this kind of pattern in NetFlow. So it will do that. It'll give you, it'll tell you what the issue is. It'll give you a list of suggested actions. If the suggested action is something you can do on a switch that's in DNA Center or a router, you can click perform action now and it'll actually go do that action. It'll say, open attack case and send them a show IP OSPF neighbor. Click here to get that command. So you click the button, it pops up the show IP OSPF neighbor. Hmm. Okay. Okay. It, I love it. It, it, I, I'm, I really, I know I sound like a sales guy now because. No, you so don't. Some this of, is magic. No, you really do Wonderful. Well, so, some of that stuff is good. Some of that stuff works most of the time. <laughs> does it, uh, does it, it it's, make- not, it's not magical yet, but I think it will get there. I like the direction they're going with it. I really do. Otherwise, I wouldn't be as passionate about it when I talk about it. Does it make anybody else like weirded out that, you know, we spent all this time learning CLI and now everything's getting pushed to like GUI and just. Yeah. It's weird, right? It took me me six months to be on board with this because I went through the experience of ACI, like Dan mentioned, where you have to run a a different code base or a different image in or different mode on the switch where you didn't have access to the CLI. And that really that really pissed me off. I, I, <laughs> I, I was so furious. 
And then, so I get into SDA and we're doing the same thing. It's like, no, stay away from the CLI because if you type a command, there's a chance that DNA center is going to reverse it. So honestly, Dan, Andy, it took me six months to it's an adjustment, right? To, it, it really did. I, I, I really had a lot of, let a lot of things go. And I run into this when talking to people about this all the time. It's again, it's usually the oldest person in the room. That's like, oh, I'm not going to give up my enable password. No, and, and, but and it's that's true. And that's not where I'm going with it because it seems like the benefits and the magic of, I mean, it's totally worth it. If, I'd be fine never touching a CLI again <laughs> if I could get all the benefits that you're spelling out. Yeah, you know? the, I think the, the the caveat I give is that, that assumes that we that we Cisco got everything right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Right. Which, if you've been doing this a long time, you know that there are always going to be bugs. So now, sure. are things getting better? Where do I trust automation more? Absolutely. I started doing SDA stuff about four and a half, five years ago. And there were a lot of times where I needed to get into the CLI to verify things. I never jump onto the CLI right now other than to reset a router. It's so that's what's scary is yeah. you're handing over the keys of the kingdom to this yeah, you trust this control. whole ecosystem and like, yeah. okay, here here you go. Don't don't destroy me. But companies have done, I mean <laughs> ACI works. I, ACI did a good job yeah. with that stuff. Meraki, right? Right? You've mm -hmm. never seen a Meraki CLI, it doesn't doesn't exist. So mm -hmm. it can be done. I think the the I'm not going to criticize Cisco at this point, but, but the, the, what we're, we're kind of trying to do this on a platform that has a history of the CLI first now iOS XE, but previous to that it was iOS. And we got folks that have been in this industry for a long time that have always done it this way. And we're mm. still calling it catalyst, right? If you had said catalyst OS, when I was getting my CCIE, it was, the, it was cat OS. It was the set commands. Like this stuff has been around for a long time and people are, are, are used to using it and it's ingrained in them. First thing they want to do is know your enable password so they can go in and configure things and troubleshoot folks, right? So yeah, if we can get it right, it, it is, it's it's great. And I think honestly, it is better now. It is a lot better now. It took me about six months to stop uh, he hesitating with the automation stuff. So. Wow. Sounds amazing. Also sounds expensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. We go. <laughs> yeah. yeah there, there are a lot of other things that DNA Center does. So if we ever if we do another one of these and, and I can screen share, I can demo DNA Center, yeah. I can go through the GUI. Yeah, 100% want to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. I would love to do that, man. Yeah, I'll, Thank you. I'll cut down great. on the puns and the jokes. <laughs> oh, no, oh, no, don't no, do no. that. Keep those coming. <laughs> Keep those coming. So, this has been great. Oh, I fly airplanes. I, 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 I am a pilot. Oh, they yeah, yeah, yeah. Today. Oh, <laughs> yes. We forgot about that. I did forget and about that. And your copious free time when you're not getting every certification there is. I haven't flown in like eight years, but I did get it just wow. to get it. That was a bucket list thing. The Cisco Press thing and the getting my pilot's license thing were two bucket list things. Nice. I, got, got for you. I do want to bring uh, one thing back up from yeah. towards the beginning of the show because I think we cut you off. You were telling a story about your uh, CCIE lab. And you got through the first day, you woke yourself up in the middle of the night because you forgot to send community, send community or you thought you did. What did I the did. second day, the morning you walked in, what happened? So second day, so you, you really have no idea how you did. Right. right. You just, you get in there because it's, it's, it was a nine hour day. You're exhausted from traveling in a couple of days before. So you're already tired. You go in, you do that full day. You're overwhelmed. Even though you've done practice labs and scenarios, you really have no idea how you did. So I go to the hotel, wake up three in the morning and say, oh shit, I forgot to send communities. Walk in, I see the booklet on my desk and it's like, oh, I relax. <laughs> I bought myself another three hours of this. So the first half of the second day is all of the non-IP stuff that I talked about. So 
with mm-hmm. NetBuoy, IPX, Apple Talk, DLSW, SNA, all that kind of stuff. So you get, again, so there's a new booklet now with new exercises and new scenarios that you have to do, that you have to configure. And that takes you to lunchtime. So same process. You go for lunch, and when you come back, if there's a booklet on your desk, you sit down and you, you complete the lab. If there isn't, you've failed. You've got to sit and wait for the proctor. So I go to lunch, I come back, there's a booklet on my desk. So now is the troubleshooting piece. And I don't know how it's done now because I know that the lab is just a one-day lab now. But back then, it, I mentioned earlier, we had the physical equipment was all there. And they wouldn't just mess with your configurations. They would mess with your cables. They would take a T1 cable and they would jam it in upside down. Well, if you've ever used a T1 cable, it doesn't go in upside down. It's not made to go in upside down. So the pins would bend. So you'd have to look and identify that the pins are bent, chuck the cable and grab another cable. And so this was the troubleshooting section. So I, I got... Um, I got there, got the troubleshooting section. That was, that was the part I was looking forward to the most. Once I... Once I got to that part, I was, I was like, I love troubleshooting because I had all my config memorized. <laughs> so first thing I did was do a show run and I, well, I didn't type that. Got rid of that command. <laughs> oh, that, that's different <laughs> than I thought. Got rid of that command. Oh, there goes a photographic there, memory. There was a different line out. between these two commands. I got to add that wow. command back in. So that, that part was easy. Got the physical stuff, got my connectivity up and running and, and uh, I passed. And the only thing I got wrong in that two days was that stupid send community. <laughs> and, you, and you woke up you said like three in the morning and, and, and i knew that. i got it wrong <laughs> yeah i knew i got it wrong yeah it, it was i i you know again I, i've been lucky i i was i was prepared i i really did burn up all of my um all of my vacation time to do the exam mm-hmm. wow. and that's not easy to do when you've got a she was four at the time i had a four-year-old daughter so i would take i, I would spend the day with her and then I would be up all night, literally. As soon as she went to bed, I would be up all night in my lab. And I had a stack of six um, 2,500 routers, a bunch of back-to-back T1 cables. And I had an ISDN emulator. And I had uh, a terminal server that I would hop to and a CatOS switch. And I would just go through scenario after scenario. And back then, you had to buy these scenarios online. And then they'd send them to you in big stacks of paper, had reams of paper with these scenarios. So I basically went through every scenario every night, all night until I, I had them all memorized. But I was still trying to, this is the comment I made earlier about verifying things. I would, even though I had to memorize and exactly what to do for every single one of them, I got more practice doing the show commands and the verification commands to know what to look for to know that it worked. Because I would still make a typo, hmm. right? Yeah, but at that point, I knew if I made a typo, I knew exactly what it was. Like it's just because I looked at that output so many times, and it was repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. So the repetition helped me a lot. And you were uh, labbing instead of sleeping. Is that what you said? Yeah, I would. I would maybe sleep. I would drop her off at school in the morning at like eight o'clock, eight thirty. I'd sleep for like three hours, and then I'd get up and start working again. And then I'd wow. start doing other stuff. Yeah. So like three hours a day sleep yeah. you were doing yeah, for, for six months. That was the, the vacation time was no, that was like okay. five weeks of vacation where I was really hardcore, but yeah, yeah. the six months That's previous intense, was though. still, yeah, I was still doing a minimum of six, seven hours a night. So I was working and then I'd come home and I'd 
spend mm-hmm. some time with and my kid. It, and it then, didn't mess with your retention or your mental health or anything, just no, exhausting yourself? I was, no? no, I was okay. 30. I had plenty of energy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 just turned 30 last week. No, I'm, I'm 31. <laughs> I don't have that. There's, there's no way I could do it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the uh, that was tough. It was tough, but I, I don't know. I honestly don't know how I did it. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, I won't say it was easy. It was, it was tough. I just, I don't know that I could do it now. But part of it was I really, I really loved the technology. Mm-hmm. Like it's like today, I'll go mess with. I don't do any Docker as part of my day job, but I'm, I'm, I'm trashing containers all day long because it's just stuff I like doing. It's, it's interesting. So, um, so that stuff, you know, networking has always been interesting to me. So it was fun for me to do that. It wasn't, it didn't feel like work or uh, it was a challenge for sure. Cause I was learning a lot about the protocols, but, um, it was, you know, it was just fun. Yeah. Love what you do. Yeah. Always, <laughs> always. Excellent. Well, he is Roddy. He has never failed a Cisco exam. <laughs> he is CCIE 7472. He is a Cisco press author. The book is Cisco software defined access. We will drop a link to our show notes and you can pick it up there and wherever books are sold, I'm sure. Roddy, where can people find you? Twitter, blog, what you got? <laughs> Today, I'm going to lock my Twitter after this episode. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just thinking, AJ, I may have failed one of the research about six years ago, but that's a different story for another time. Uh, but... Um, now you said that I was like, God, that helps <laughs> Andy. That, that's, that, no, that is exactly what the he listeners needed to hear. That you got to fail. That's, yeah, no, that's no, great. Yeah, yes, yes. Don't, don't, don't do anything that I've done in the last thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> don't have the attitude that I've had in the last thirty years. No, uh, yeah, I think I have. So the question was, where can you find me? You can find me on Twitter, usually trolling people. Um, my handle is. It doesn't have a pronunciation. I don't know. There's there's Foriel on here. You guys know my handle. Do you know what it means? No idea. The the squirrely. No, 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 no. That's, Arabic. That's stuff, Arabic. That that's my name in Arabic. But what is my handle? Oh, okay. What is my uh, my Twitter ID? E i d d o r. Yeah. Do you know what it is? Nope. I do not. Come on. All right, so it, I it's literally I my first name backwards. Oh. oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> look at that, and it's so, right there. It's right in front of my face, and I didn't get that. So, um, we automatically yeah, this, go to acronyms. That's yeah. just what we do. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, squig- yeah, the squiggly stuff that you pointed out, Andy, is my name in Arabic. So. Very cool. Um, yeah, the I am squiggly Arabic. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he called it. I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't, I, I, I didn't want to be Andy insensitive, so I just used the yeah. language that he used to me. So, <laughs> oh gosh! Uh, I'm on Twitter. My handle is e i d d o r, which is my first name backwards. Which now everybody knows the secret. Yes, and um, that's that's where I hang out most. Of I do have a YouTube channel. Actually, the uh, I've got some SDA and DNA Center videos up on that YouTube channel. If you want to Google me, but you can. What's your YouTube channel? I have just Roddy. I don't know Hassan YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, I think right. it's, I we'll think, find it and put yeah. it in the link. Yeah, it's, in the notes. I don't know. I'm not good at self promotion. I'm really not good at self promotion. <laughs> trying to do it for you. <laughs> I believe there's Appreciate a there's a blog in there too, right? Oh, there's a blog, ccie.tv. Okay. So the blog Excellent. is mostly technical, not Cisco centric per se, but there's also some cooking stuff on there because I am also I also love to cook. It's my therapy. You're you're in Texas. I'm Have in you Texas. been to Franklin Barbecue? I've been to Franklin Barbecue. Yes. Yes. How is it? 
if you like barbecue, it's good. I love barbecue. I'm reading his book. He's my hero. Thank when I come to Texas, definitely can we go. please go to Franklin Barbecue? We can. It's in Austin. It's about four and a half hours away from me, but you let me know and, and we'll get down there. Yeah. It's like an hour and a half wait in line, right? To get this guy's food. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's good. It's, it is. If you like barbecue, I'm not huge on barbecue, but if you like barbecue, it is good barbecue for sure. All right, man. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right, Roddy. Thank you so much for joining us. Any, any last minute words? No, thanks Party for thoughts. having me. I really, this was a lot of fun. Wasn't as weird as Tim made it out to be. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was going to like that, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did. I did. Now, and I, honestly, again, if I, if I, I would have thought there's no way he came up with that just based on my tweet. So I, I feel better that you already had that plan. Yeah. Um, no, it was a good time, guys. I, I, I'm glad we finally got to do this, AJ. I, you know, yeah. I, I give you guys, I give you shit about forgetting about me, but um, well, much, I, much deserved I, shit. I, I feel lucky to be here, and uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully, I come back and do a demo for y'all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One absolutely. Uh, anytime, guys. Anytime. Excellent. Thank you so well, much. Join us again next week for another episode. Thanks again, Roddy, and have a good night. Hey, everyone, this is AJ. If you like what you heard today, then make sure you subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcatcher. Smash that bell icon to get notified of all of our future episodes. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Art of Net Eng. That's Art of N E T E N G. You can also find us on the web at Art of Network Engineering.com where we post all of our show notes. You can read blog articles from the co-hosts and guests, and also a lot more news and info from the networking world. Thanks for listening.